Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. We're going to begin reading in verse uh, 10. And we're going to read through verse 21. Mark chapter 8 and verse 10. Shall we stand please for the reading of God's Word? Mark chapter 8 and verse 10. And straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples and came into the parts of Dalmanutha. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, There shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them, and entering into the ship again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye, because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not, and having ears, hear ye not. And do you not remember, when I break the five loaves among five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They say unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, Seven. And he said unto them, How is it that you do not understand? And if you look back at verse 14, it says, Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. The disciples had forgotten to take bread. And uh, this is a really an amazing truth. Uh, I hope I can do it justice. All right, let's pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for the, the Word and what it means to us in eternal life. We pray that we would seek and understand the way of truth and the way of miracles, the supernatural, the powerful. Help us to be disgusted for mediocrity, settling, the natural, just getting by. We yield your spirit. We pray that he would lead us as to what to say, how to say it, and he would give us power to preach and to hear the word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. The disciples had forgotten to take bread. I could call this uh, message the way of miracles. The way of miracles. I'd ask that you listen very carefully. There are two ways to live life in this world. The first one is you can live by doubt and unbelief and therefore limit yourself to just getting by the natural or the second way is you can live by faith and you can have miracles as a part of your daily experience you will rise above the natural the average and you will experience 
the power of God and the supernatural. This is the goal we should set. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now in this text, it's, it is about sustenance. We do need our daily bread. But it's also about spiritual truth, the Word of God. But more than that, it's about the miraculous lifestyle to not only hope for miracles, but to see them on a regular basis. The miraculous way, if you will. So we have choices to make. You have a choice. God gave you free will. You can live the worldly way, therefore limiting yourself to a powerless existence, being subject to the laws of uh, just nature, the laws of men, the natural way. If you only have so much money, that's all you have. If you only have so much medical help, that's all you have. If you only have so much uh, character, that's all you get. You are limited to the natural way. But the way we're looking to live is the miraculous way, the heavenly way, the way above this world, supernatural, powerful, that is not limited to your limitations. I say it all the time. Do not limit God to your limitations. Or you will be stifled, oppressed to the natural way. And that's what most people do. They just settle for mediocrity. Just getting by the natural ways and laws. Very few people live by faith. Jesus said, greater things than these will they see that have believed on me. Do you believe that or not? Greater things going forward, always pressing forward, reaching the higher ground, living by faith. Now, in the text, and you know, this struck me when we went to Israel, uh, we were there at the tour guide and the preacher would ask us to preach. I think my brother preached at uh, the upper room where the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. That was pretty amazing. And uh, took some parts of the tile as a uh, memento. Uh, and I preached where this happened. Well, right on the Sea of Galilee where the, uh, he taught and he fed the 5,000. This is where I was asked to preach. I'd forgotten about that for a while. Um, but this is a literal story. It really happened. But there are deep truths, mysteries, guised always in the Word of God in these seemingly sometimes insignificant events. So let me give you the, the context of what happened here. In the earthly ministry of Christ, the disciples at this time were not yet indwelt by the Holy Spirit, uh, and they did not have full awareness yet of who Christ was. They did not even yet understand that He must suffer and die and be betrayed of men, shed His blood, be nailed to the cross, buried for three days, and then rise again. They did not understand this as yet, and they were not able at this time 
to discern the principles of the kingdom. Now, these principles of the kingdom, these are patterns of repetition, which we can experience and recognize to overcome doubt, overcome hesitation, overcome a powerless life, overcome the natural, if we recognize these are patterns. God's not going to trick us. He's not going to tempt us. He allows us to go through chronological order of a sequence of events, and it will happen over and over and over. And if we recognize which stage are we in, we can step out by faith, live the miraculous way, even when we might have forgotten to take bread. I use this illustration, loops. You know, we talk about a loop. We talked about a dream lately. You know, you get in a dream and you think it's over and it starts again. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. It's happened to me. That's liver attack at 3 a.m. in the morning. But I'll use San Antonio. So San Antonio is encircled by two loops. We know that. Uh, Loop 410-1604. To get on one of those loops, we'll just use 410. You have to have an entrance ramp. And if you don't exit, you'll never get off of it. You'll just, you know, what if you just lived Loop 410 the rest of your life? You just drove it all the way around from the north to the east to the south and just never got off of it. So to get on that loop, though, there's an entrance ramp. And if you get off that loop, you have to take the exit ramp to get on or to get off. And the way of miracles, you have to get on it. And God will show you how to get on it. It's very obvious and evident by what stage of life you're in and what the predicament of the situation is at the time. And then you cannot get off. You have to live the miraculous way. You can't get off. Now, I will explain this. In the, in the text, this is really amazing. He, Jesus takes a ship to Dalmanutha. While he's on this journey, this voyage, uh, he goes to the other side, and the Pharisees, they're always looking for a sign. They said, give us a sign that you're the Son of God and we'll believe you. Work a miracle before our very eyes. We'll believe that you're the true Messiah, the Son of God. And he tells them, there will be no sign given to this generation. And in other places we know there's one sign given, the sign of the prophet Jonas. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the well's belly, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And Jesus is angered by this, not because of the question, but because it's an evidence of their unbelief. They do not believe. They must see it before they'll believe it. I love what he does next. He gets in a ship and gets away from them. It says to get away. So he gets in a ship, goes to the Pharisees, 
They in unbelief asked this question for a sign. He immediately says, let's get in a ship. I'm getting away from these people. Now, you know, there, there's a lot of things we could say about this, but uh, I don't know why the charismatic movement thinks God wants to be around them when they're looking for all these signs. They will not live by faith when they ought to read this verse. Jesus got in a ship to get away from those type people. He's looking for somebody that will believe when there is no hope. There is no physical evidence. These type of people always looking for something before they'll believe. Jesus is getting away from them. Now, the disciples then make the statement, and, and it's so sad once again. They've been through this before. This is the third time that's revealed to us. It could have happened more than that. We don't know. This pattern of repetition, um, uh, the opportunity, if you will, to see a miracle and to live by faith. They had forgotten to bring bread. Now, how could you forget to bring bread when you're getting on a ship? How could you forget to buy bread when you're on the shore and you could have done it? Now they got back in a ship. They had forgotten the most important thing. And it says there was one loaf on this ship they were on. And so Jesus then uses this bread to teach deep spiritual truths. And so he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. So you have the wicked religious leaders of the time who rejected truth in Jesus Christ. You had the wicked governmental leaders of the time who rejected truth and rejected Christ. And so he says, beware of the leaven. Now, we know that leaven is the yeast that makes the bread rise. For those of you who are uh, knowledgeable of that, you can bake. And they didn't understand what he was trying to teach them. And so they didn't have discernment that the leaven was the doctrine, the false doctrine, which is interjected through false religions, through the governments of men and trying to lord over people and take away their free will by rebelling against God. And so they didn't have any discernment and their hearts were hardened. And this is a very critical trait. So he's saying this to the disciples. Now follow me here. Is he saying this to the world? No. Who's he saying this to? God's people. Is he saying this to a lost person, a criminal? No. He's saying this to not just his people. The 12 disciples had a hardened heart. And the reason was... They could not recognize patterns of behavior. One thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. This is the test. Will you live by faith? God always comes through. They could not do it. So he reminds them. He said, don't you remember what happened when I fed the 5,000? Have you already forgotten what happened? And what, how many baskets of fragments did we take up? He said, uh, 12. And he said, don't you remember when I fed 4,000 people? 
And we took up the baskets. How many did we take up? Uh, seven. And now they've forgotten bread again. They're wondering, how are we going to eat? What is going to happen? Uh, Jesus says, your heart is hardened. I've already worked this miracle. Don't you see I have set you up for a miracle right now? This is a setup of the providence of God that God's going to let you see the miracle way. And you've already tried to kill it with your doubt and your unbelief. So this is the way of God, the trial of faith. What is bread? It's our daily sustenance. Give us this day our daily bread. It's in the Lord's Prayer, the staff of life. We know that it's the show bread in the temple, which is lit by the golden candlestick, which is fueled by the olive oil, which is a type of the Holy Spirit. And we know according to John 6, 48, Jesus is what? The bread of life. If you drink of this water, he said, you'll never thirst again. If you eat of this bread of me, you will have eternal life. We know according to John 1.14 that the word was made flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But the, see, they had nothing to eat. So a hardened heart looks at the present situation. And doesn't have faith, doesn't have hope, doesn't remember all the miracles God's already worked. They just look at the here and now and say, well, we don't have any bread. What are we going to do? This happens physically. This happens spiritually. And the reason for both, they forgot to remember. It's so simple, but so deep. They forgot to remember. Now, I always like what Brother Roloff said. He said, I got tired of the Baptists and their programs. I got sick and tired of Lottie Moon, and I forget all that, and methodology. And he said, I'm going to live by faith. Now, that's what I want to do. But we need a balance between methodology, promotions, you need that, and living by faith. But even the disciples were hardened. Now, I remind you again, this wasn't written to the devil's crowd. He didn't go say this at a bar or a nightclub or a dance hall. He says this to the 12 disciples. So look what he says. And let's look at verse 17. When Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not. Having ears, hear ye not. And do ye not remember. Now, there are four key words here which reveal the natural way. The powerless lifestyle. The life that is limited to your resources and the ways of this world. First of all, reason. Uh, come, the Bible says, come ye not, let us reason together. When, but when you reason over your daily sustenance, and when you reason over 
a predicament, a problem, an obstacle, a financial need, a health problem, a temptation, these types of things. You have, or you are on, the natural way. You're never going to see miracles when you reason. When you try to logically figure it out. Because miracles do not happen to those who are logical. Doesn't happen. Two plus two equals four. Yeah, well, I need money in my bank account. I've seen God put money in my bank account, and I didn't make the deposit. You don't, don't believe me. It's happened. I've seen it. God has given me money when I don't even know where it came from or how it came or where, where, how I got it. I know two plus two is four. Do not reason. Now, but you better balance your checkbook. <laughs> there was preacher boys at college that thought you could write checks. And as long as you had checks in your checkbook, you could just spend money. <laughs> uh, so I hope you see the balance of what I'm saying. So you cannot be reasonable and have miracles in your life. Because miracles are what? Beyond reason, right? Number two, perceive. There was no spiritual perception. They couldn't even understand the doctrine of the Pharisees or of Herod. They lacked, that's why we're talking about on Wednesday nights, how to be spiritual. They lacked perception. They couldn't perceive it. Number three, they had no understanding, which is a consciousness awareness. And then when you have logical reasoning added to no spiritual perception, added with a lack of understanding, what's going to happen? A hardened heart. A hardened heart. And when the heart is hard, you cannot believe. You limit yourself to your money, your bank account, your resources, your medical help, your people help, your relationships, your own charisma, your own work ethic, your own resources, your own capital, these types of things. When you, when you have these things, you have a hardened heart. So what happened? You have eyes, but you can't see. You are spiritually blinded. And the answer is right in front of your face. God wants to work a miracle and you can't see it. Then what does it say? Deafened ears. Can't hear. God's trying to tell you it's the greatest thing you've ever heard. And you need to hear it right here and now. But you can't hear. Why? Here's the, the great lesson. Look what it says. It's so simple at the end of verse 18. And do ye not remember? Do ye not remember when I fed the 5,000 and we took up 12 baskets of... Do you not remember when I fed 4,000 people and we took up the seven baskets of fragments? Do you not remember when God saved you from a, being a dopehead and a failure in this life and changed your whole life? Do you not remember when God opened a door which seemed impossible? Do you not remember when you used to be a lost person out in the world and now God changed your whole life? Do you not remember all the miracles of healing that God has done for you and your family and your life and now you're at the doctor waiting on the next report? Do you not 
Remember. The word forgotten means to lose out of mind or to neglect. Now follow me. Brother James said this. You better write it down. And I've tried to do this. I've got this, uh, I call it testimony of all the weird things that's happened to me. Some of you wouldn't believe it. Uh, the great things God's done in my life. If you don't remember it and rehearse it, you'll lose it out of your mind because human nature is to forget. Human nature is sinful nature and it's to neglect. And the word remember, I love this, it means to exercise your memory and to rehearse it over and over again so that you have good recollection. We say this all the time that repetition is the key to learning. How are you going to memorize a chapter of the Bible or even one verse? You've got to go over it and over it and over it. You have to exercise your memory. So, this is what's so sad and heartbreaking. There's many people who've never seen a miracle. They don't even know what a miracle is. All they base their life on is their money, their job, their resources, their family, their friends, their doctor, whatever it is, their police. I mean, if you've never had a an angel protect you, you don't know what I'm talking about. Or something, I'm talking about beyond human explanation. I mean, so miraculous. And many of us have had this happen. And sometimes we forget. You know, I, I'll tell you just real quick. One time back when I was younger and dumber than I am now, we, we had a, uh, we, we raced motocross and risked our life to be faster than somebody else. Think how dumb that is. I'm going to risk my life on this two-stroke engine and jump over hills. Well, we were out riding one time. What was it called? Calico. We'd go out there. There was a big, big hill, a jump. And it's pretty scary because it was blind. It was so high, you couldn't see what was on the other side. So I'd done it several times. And so I said, I'm going to do it again. So I start riding, and something grabs my hand and makes me give it full throttle. And that's not me. And, I'm, you know, I'm, and then I fan the clutch. I shift to the next gear. And I'm going, what is happening? I couldn't, I couldn't hold back. Happened again. I'm in fourth gear, if you know what that's like on a 250, wide open, fanning the clutch. And I just launch. And what had happened was my little brother Brad was just out of sight and he was at a profile side angle and I would have killed him or hit him broadside if I would have hit it normal speed and I just went and I, I just went right over him like that and I'm looking at him and I just went and when it was over I just killed the engine and I just went what, what just happened? Some, something made me give it the gas which and God did it. And that's just one little example. Uh, but many of us could testify of those things. But it's one thing if you've never seen a miracle. You don't even know what I'm talking about. It's another thing. When God has let you see it, and you doubted, and you had a hard heart, and you couldn't see and you couldn't hear, but God did it anyways, 
And then you look back and you go, look what God just did. This is a miracle. I can't believe it. And then time passed and you forgot. You didn't rehearse it. You didn't memorize it. You didn't relive it. And then he did it again. And then you forgot again. And then he did it again. And you forgot again. If we want to live the powerful, miraculous way, once you get on that entrance ramp, we're using 410, you can't get off. And when you see the exit, the exit's going to be to forget by not rehearsing, by neglecting, not remembering all the miracles God's already done for you because every obstacle and problem is nothing other than an opportunity for God to work another miracle. That's all it is. God said, this is an opportunity. I've done it in the past. I will not change. I love you. I want to work another miracle. But you have to be tested and tried by faith. It's going to be so hard because you don't have anything to see to give you hope. You don't have anything good to hear to give you hope. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. And you already forgot to bring bread again. You know why they forgot to bring bread? God said, I allowed you to forget to bring bread so that I can make more bread. So, living by faith, the miracle way. This is very simple. First of all, number one, there's a great need in your life. Some great need. It could be a new job. It could be money. It could be healing of your body, an old injury that won't heal. It could be grace you need to endure something in your life. It could be a temptation to sin that seems overwhelming and the old crowd just keeps it coming and won't go away. It could be grief, the loss of a loved one, and you're wounded deeply. Or someone hurts your feelings, and it's very, very sad, and you were betrayed. It could be a sadness. It could be a spiritual attack. Something's really getting you. But there's a great need. Now, when that happens, and it will happen, and if it's not happening to you now, like the old preacher said, buckle your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy road. It's going to happen. Greater the afflictions of the righteous, or many are the afflictions of the righteous. Great need. Number two, that means there's a great emptiness. A void. You don't know what you're going to do. You feel hopeless, helpless. Maybe what can I do? This brings sorrow Sadness, even fear, could strike panic if you're not careful. There's a great emptiness that will take place. Now, when this happens, it happens to everybody. You have one or two choices to make. You can live by what you see, live by what you hear, and you'll be limited to the natural powerless life. Just getting by, struggling. Or, 
You can live by faith. You can remember what God's already done for you in the past that led up to this point. You can see these patterns of behavior that creates a loop in your life. Say, I've been here before. I had to learn to trust God. This is the time to live by faith. And God worked a miracle then, and He's going to do it again. And I'm just going to trust Him and not base my personal existence on what I see or what I hear or what I feel or what somebody says or what's happening right now. This is the choice you have to make. If you don't forget and you rehearse it and you encourage yourself in the Lord, God's going to show up. And what did he say? Oh, you forgot bread? Well, don't you remember when we had the 5,000? Don't you remember when we had the 4,000? Don't you know that it is me who took us to the ship to hear these wicked Pharisees ask for a sign, and I'm getting out of there. We, we're getting away. And you don't have any bread, do you? How are you going to feed all these people with one loaf? Well, this is the miraculous way. The just shall live by faith. Are you going to live the miraculous way? Are you going to live the normal, powerless way? Are you going to have the supernatural power of God working in your life? Or are you going to be limited to just money, doctors, people, this world? So, that loop, that way of life, most people never get on it. They get to the entrance. I'm almost there. They get to the entrance ramp, and they say, "I don't want to take that road. I don't. I don't have what it takes to get on that highway. It's not within me to take that entrance ramp." They've never seen a miracle. But then the other group say, "I want this. I want to live by faith. I'm going to trust God." They take it. It's beyond their comprehension. They're all reasoning and human logic. God works a miracle, and they drive that loop, and they're living the miraculous way. They get all the way around to where God says, I want to work another miracle for you, but you're not going to see it or hear it or anything like that. You just have to trust me. And they get to that point, and they say, but we forgot bread. And they take the exit ramp. <laughs> they, we don't have any bread. And I'm not bragging, I'm a nobody. But I can say, everything I have is beyond my natural resource. My house, my truck, my possessions, everything I have was given to me by God. And I'm not saying I've arrived or I'm anything. I've got a long ways to go. I get beat down and humbled and attacked regularly, which I deserve it. But... It's a miracle. You know, and if you limit yourself to what you have in your pocketbook or your bank account, you're limiting God. God can do anything. If you limit yourself to your injuries or your accidents or your trauma, you've limited God. If you limit God to uh, your home, your income, I hear that all the time. Yes, we need to use common sense, but God can do anything. God can do anything. 
but he could do no mighty works there. Why? Because of their unbelief. The miraculous way the disciples had forgotten to take bread. You know why? Jesus removed it from their memory so they'd be in a situation, we need bread, what are you going to do with it? Alright? So, I'm through. We need bread. What are you going to do about it? We don't have enough. There's no way. You know, doomsday preppers, and I try to do all that. No, I shouldn't have said that. I don't have a bomb shelter that's nuclear proof. No, I've, I've got a... I'm aware of it. I got a lot of things stored up. It's not going to last. You couldn't stop them if San Antonio came this way. It's ridiculous. What's going to happen? We don't have any bread. Oh, yeah. Jesus does. He is bread. He can do anything. There's no reason to live in fear. Now, I think we ought to plan and use common sense. I try to do that. But not really. <laughs> no. I mean, come on. You got a nuclear-proof bomb shelter? Well, let's do this, the drill. Let's all go under our desks and get on our knees while the nuclear blast hits. Yeah, what's that? Uh, kind of go in your bathtub, put the, the uh, mattress over you, and with the, with the hurricane, yeah, 110-mile-hour winds come, you know, try your best. But... The disciples had forgotten to take bread. What an amazing story. Now, are, I, I've been there recently. Oh, yeah. God's done this over and over and over. He's going to do it again. I've seen this happen. And when the temptation of the, the dread of the sorrows of your limited humanity strike, that's where you're about to get on the ramp. Or... That's where you're about to get off the ramp. The just shall live by faith. All right, let's bow our heads. Close our eyes.